Hello and welcome everyone to the GM Hockey Podcast. My name is Tony Gelski. Um, and Andy's here with me too. So, as welcome. per usual. Yeah, so, so welcome. Um, <laughs> so welcome. So welcome into the the GM Hockey Podcast. We, we are a little late into round two. Um, uh, you know, sometimes life just kind of gets in the way, but... We did release in the effort of transparency. Um, we re- released our picks after Dallas beat Colorado, um, and bef- but before last night's games. So we only won game one series late, and releasing our picks on our social media pages on Twitter and Facebook. Um, so, I mean, let's just start off with, let's just dive right in. Let's start off with uh, the Western Conference and let's go Vegas, Vancouver. I thought Vancouver just dominated from start to finish. My pick personally was uh, Golden Knights in seven. The way that series has started off, it might be Golden Knights in five. Um, yeah, you said Vancouver dominated. I'm like, what game? Sorry, are you I mean Golden Knights. I was like, Golden Knights. Sorry. What game were you watching? Um, yeah, I picked Vancouver in seven, and I stick by it. I think, I think they have a lot of the makeup of a young 2010, 20, or I guess 2009 Hawks team. They're good. They're fast. They're young. They've got a little bit of everything. Um, Maybe I overestimate them. Maybe uh, the Golden Knights are kind of like their Detroit, where it's just a big veteran team that, you know, they're going to they're gonna walk through them, and it might be a learning experience. But I stand by Vancouver in seven. Uh, I think, you know, one bad game ain't going to change my opinion on it. I, like I said, speed kills, they've got it. They're young. They're fast. They've got the talent. They need to come out now with a little bit more fire in their bellies and uh, really kind of take it to them. They, they know now what Vegas can do. They, they're welcome to the playoffs kind of situation. Uh, St. Louis sort of rolled over, I would say, a little bit in those last two games. So uh, th- this is the real deal for them now. This is their real test because the Knights are, are no joke. Yeah, they are uh... – a very good team, and I was actually in, when the Hawks were playing them, I was surprised how well the Hawks were able to to hang with them. Um, but like you know, that could just be a, a veteran thing, though. I mean, sometimes you know the Hawks are definitely just not as talented as Vancouver or Vegas. Let's be honest, but they got the veterans who have been there, done that. That might be the difference between Chicago and Vancouver against Vegas. Uh, if it does continue to go this way. Again, I don't believe it will. I think I think we're going to see a different Vancouver team next game. A uh, little more fire, a little more understanding what it's going to take to be a cup contending team. I mean, keep in mind, this team's young. Young and no playoff experience for most of them. So this is a chance for them to kind of learn. I think that game one was eye-opening. Yeah, I th- just the, uh, I it was over fast in in that game last night. Um, Vegas, I think, at the game sheet in front of me, it, it was uh, just. I mean, they only it was one nothing heading into the second period, but uh, Vegas kind of broke it open or broke it open in the second. Um, you know, I mean, look at. Vegas is getting a, a really complete goal scoring capabilities. Like they're like, so like Jordan Mosher has three goals, Riley Smith, four goals, Mark Stone, f- five goals, Alex Tuck, five goals in, in this p- postseason. So, um, you know, it's one of those things where I, it, I, I like the way Vegas is playing right now. Robin Leonard, uh, has actually all three times he's been in goal while he's faced the Vancouver Canucks. He's shut him out all three times. Ironically, it's been with three different teams uh, with him being on the shutting him out. I think it was like the Islanders, 
the Senators and the and now Vegas. Uh, so it's one of those things where I, I just see. I think Vegas is going to win the series. Um, I think the the veteran leadership is 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 there, and I also just think that my own personal opinion is I think the best conference finals for the NHL would be a Vegas Colorado uh, series, but uh, I don't know. Dallas is playing remarkably well right now, so um, uh, I don't know. Do you have any closing thoughts? on the Vegas series? Uh, no, I mean, I think I said my my thing. I think Vancouver is going to be a different team. And, and again, maybe I'm overhyping them because of their similarities to the Hawks. Uh, I think the opposite. I think an Avs-Vancouver series, young, fast, exciting hockey. Um, I think that would be the best series, but we shall see. Oh, we, we can't... We also can't just gloss over the Vegas series without talking about Alan Walsh's, uh, oh, uh tweet. yeah. Um, we, we can't, we can't do that. Um, so for those of you who have been living under a rock when it comes to hockey news, um, Mark Andre Fleury's agent tweeted out a picture, um, of Mark Andre Fleury making a save. It was a picture of painting. I think it was a painting. Um, and the painting, has a sword going through Marc-Andre Fleury's back and coming out the front of his chest with the bloods on the other end of the sword. And the sword has a name on it, and that's it says DeBoer, which is Peter DeBoer, Vegas' head coach, uh, his name on the, on, the, on the sword, which clearly is, is the depiction of Peter DeBoer stabbing Marc-Andre Fleury in the back. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury said, you know, he asked him to take it down. He's been his agent for, uh, he said he'd known him. Yeah. That's a long time for somebody to be your agent. And, you know, I heard Alan Walsh was on a podcast and I heard some of his comments where he said, he's always going to go to the bat for his players Mm -hmm. and, and whatnot. But like the biggest problem that I've always had in full transparency, Alan Walsh is, uh, he's blocked me on Twitter. Um, and if you actually go to like Elliot Friedman's like uh, Twitter page, like when he said like, Oh my, and he quote t- tweeted that picture. Um, I'm not the only, it's like half the people that were commenting were like, what is the picture? I can't see it. Alan Walsh blocked me. Um, and for transparency, the, the reason why Walsh blocked me was I personally think, I don't remember how it's been a long time since, so I've been blocked by him for quite a while, but um, I think the reason why he blocked me was basically because he's, he's an agent. He's very spoken, outspoken, a very outspoken agent. But I just, uh, during the course of him being on Twitter, I've, I think I communicated with him that, you know, dude, you're an agent. You're, you're not, you're, you're hurting your team, your, your clients, uh, by posting the shit you do on Twitter. And I feel like some kind of vindication with what he just did. Um, but like he blocked me for it. And I just don't think that an agent shouldn't be tweeting. Cause that's going to Vegas has a choice to make. Do they trade Mark Andre Fleury or, and try to keep Robin Leonard? I mean, at this point, I think they kind of got to, um, because I think the, it's, the, the relationship's kind of really soured now. So I don't know. I don't know what you do. I think that's an incredibly unprofessional tweet by a dude that's, you know, kind of just unprofessional on Twitter to begin with. Well, the GM hockey podcast fan base of four could rest easy knowing that I am not blocked by Ellen Walsh. Um, and yeah, he, he tends to post some pretty shitty stuff. Uh, I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what his thought process was exactly, uh, in doing that because it makes, look, I don't think that's going to affect flurry. And then in with respect to the team, unless it was something flurry did, 
His agent is being a dick, and everyone knows his agent is a dick. Where it's going to hurt Flurry is in two years when his contract is up, and people are going to have to negotiate with his agent. And it's, you know, that's where the problems lie. It also kind of is, it's a bad look for, with fans um, of Vegas and, and, you know, people following hockey. It's just, it's just not a good look for the sport that some, that one of the players agents is posting things like that. It's not, it could, it could be not a good look for flurry outside of, you know, the walls of Vegas. Like I said, I think, I don't think that's something flurry would ever ask to be done. Uh, I think flurry keeps things behind closed doors is very professional. I mean, if you hear him speak in interviews, he seems like a pretty down to earth, humble guy. Uh, whether he's happy with the situation or not. So I don't think that's going to affect necessarily his relationship with the team, his teammates, the coaching staff. Uh, but it's it's just not a good look. Um, yeah, it's not much else to say. Like there, It's a nonsense tweet by a guy who basically just does nothing but nonsense, nonsense tweets all day. Um, I said it last episode, people just need to watch what they tweet, famous or not. I mean... Let's be honest, a player agent isn't supposed to be a famous guy, but he's posting stupid shit, and his clients could end up paying for it, uh, if not with this team, financially with the next team. So let us be a warning to even the listeners. Don't post stupid shit on social media. It's a representation of yourself. Uh, right. So Alan Walsh made himself look like a dick, and now everyone thinks he's a dick. He could be the greatest guy on earth, but... Probably not. <laughs> yeah, I he's just for me like it just doesn't make much sense to me because like it's like if I'm a GM coming going into any like he's like I was just scrolling through his Twitter as as you're talking and like he uh, like you know he represents like Jonathan Duran very clearly he represents a, a bunch of other players and I'm like Martin yeah, Hale yeah if I'm a yeah. He, yeah, and like that's another thing. It's like he was saying shit about like the Hawks, how the yeah. Hawks were, and it's like, dude, like no team is gonna want to work with you on a, unless they have to, and and they really want want your player. Like it's it that like you don't think that it'll hurt Mark Andre Fleury's like contract negotiations? I actually don't know when his contract is up. Two years. It will. I think it will hurt his negotiations. I don't think it'll hurt his standing with the team and the coaching staff is what I don't think. I think uh, the players and the coach know him as the person and know, you know, the difference between him and his agent. What it's going to hurt is negotiations uh, because the, the GMs have to negotiate with the agents. And two, it's going to hurt uh, image of the league of the team of the coach of the player. Uh, so it's mostly an image thing, but it's going to, it's going to cost Mark Andre flurry probably in future negotiations. Right. He he's, he's a free agent and the cap is flat guaranteed for the next two seasons after this one. So he's, he comes a UFA theoretically when the cap will increase from 81.5. So, which might open him up stuff up to more money, but he's definitely at the age of he'll be 37, 38, if he's still playing at the end of this contract, but like, uh, with how old he is, but like, you know, it, I don't necessarily get like the, your, 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 your player is in the middle. If this is like game, if Vegas traded for Mark Andre or Robin Leonard and then didn't start Mark Andre Fleury for like the first like 10 games of the regular season and Alan Walsh tweeted that out, I could kind of understand because he's trying to fight for his player. It's the regular season. It's not in the middle of the Stanley Cup playoffs. You're in the middle of the Stanley Cup playoffs and you tweet that out. And you're one of the teams that is favored to win the Stanley Cup playoffs. So like or win the Stanley cup. So you're injecting yourself in the distraction into, into, into the narrative. And that's not necessarily something you want. I mean, if Vegas 
if it was the opposite game last night and Vegas got trounced five, nothing like the distraction would have just snowballed. Like Alan Walsh is actually really lucky that Vegas played as well as they did last night. Cause if they didn't and the distraction was clearly weighing on the team, that's a problem. And no team is going to want to deal with you representing, representing any of their players. Um, Cause like, why would, if you're not smart enough to just wait to tweet that picture out until like after Vegas theoretically gets eliminated from the playoffs or whatever, like that would make more sense to me, but uh, like just the timing of it doesn't make any sense. Uh, I and disagree I with your first sentence. I think an agent should never say anything. That's not their role. Their role is to negotiate contracts. Whatever happens in the locker room is none of your business. So shut up. Right. Like I had to go, I had to go to our GM hockey podcast, Twitter to, to see the tweet. Uh, uh, Isn't it down? He took it down. He took it down. Yeah. He took it down because of uh, Mark Andre Fleury asked him to, which I get like, you know, it was a five minute like statement by Mark Andre Fleury about it. So, um, you know, I just, I don't necessarily understand, stand logic behind it, but, um, you know, he's, especially when Mark Andre Fleury, they brought Robin Leonard in this postseason to provide an insurance. And the way Leonard was playing on the Blackhawks was playing way better than Mark Andre Fleury was playing for the golden Knights. So, mm-hmm. Um, they brought Robin, Robin Leonard in for presumably only this year to win now because the team in a couple of years has some will have some tough decisions that they're going to have to make um, in regards to um, the young guys that they have. So, you know, I it think, is what it is. I think if I, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't think they're going to – I don't know what they're going to do with Flurry. you got to find someone to take him, and if you can't, you can't sign Robin Leonard. And let's be fair, when Marc-Andre Fleury has played, he's looked good. It's not like he's a bad goalie. Far from it. No, not at all. But you – I mean, Robin Leonard's not even 30. You kind of want a goalie playing that well in his late 20s on your roster. Um, But, you know, we'll see. I, I don't think Vegas is in any trouble. Um, I, I honestly don't think it's that much of a distraction to the players. I think it's more of a distraction to Marc-Andre Fleury himself. Right. So I just think it's, it's a mess between an agent, a GM and a player and nothing more. Um, and I know, you know, the NHL likes to make a story out of it, but I don't think it's going to be a distraction of any sort to to the players. The, the team, no. they're also in a bubble, just kind of avoiding, they're going to avoid the drama of it. So Yeah, you don't have, you don't have, uh, on your way to the rink, you don't have, like, you know, family members coming over to watch the kid while you get ready to go to the to the rink. And then family members asking you about like, you know what I mean? Like you can put your phone down in, especially in this situation and just tune out the Marc-Andre Fleury noise and pretend like it's not even there. Whereas like, if you were like back into like the real, like now I don't say real world, but like, I guess like the real world, like outside of the bubble, you know, you're coming in and contact people just in your day to day life. People asking, maybe not. I mean, (laughs) so Depends on the situation, but let's 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 move on to the Dallas Colorado series. Um, Dallas is playing rather well. Um, one, they, yeah, they have done the whole time, but I'm not going to judge between these two teams over one game. So a closer no, game well, than what we saw, at least between Vegas and Vancouver. Yes, like Colorado, they're their depth definitely needs to 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 step it up here like uh uh Frank Coos, he's 
going to be a starting goaltender tonight. Um, you know, he his goals against average, his numbers during the regular season in his 34 games played were great. I mean, it's not like they're turning to like a, a Malcolm Subban or somebody like that where like the, his goals against average is three for the season. Uh, his goals against average is 2-4-1 with a 9-2-3 save percentage. So it's not like they're they're really, you know, handing the reins off to someone that's not as similar uh, to Philip Grubauer. Like Frank Kusa actually had better numbers than Grubauer during the regular season. So, I mean, Colorado, they're going to miss Eric Johnson tonight too in, their, in game two, which will hurt them a little bit. But I think their decor is just so stacked. Um that it doesn't really, they can live without, it's if they're deep, like if the Hawks lose, lost Duncan Keith, like that series is over and, and four, but like, I think because the Hawks don't have enough guys to, to supplement the, the weight that Duncan Keith bears on his shoulders. Whereas like Colorado definitely does, uh, with the guys that they have, um, on their roster. So I think they'll be just fine. Uh, I, I, we both picked Avalanche in six. I, when I saw your picks, I agreed with it right away. And, uh, you know, I feel like they'll, they'll be able to, to bounce back. Yeah. The Avs are my Stanley cup favorite. I think I've said that like every episode they're, they're good. They're scary. Good. And only going to get better, which is scary. They have all the money in the world. Um, they're a dynasty in the making, at least a modern day dynasty, you know, like whatever that means. Uh, but they're going to be good for a long time. They're going to they're going to mirror what the Hawks and the Pens and to a lesser extent, the Kings did in the last decade. Um, and I don't foresee them having money troubles for, I mean, at least until Byram's three years are up. And even then, if they play their cards right. Probably not. <laughs> so it's it's going to be interesting. But then again, you never know what they're going to do next free agency. I mean, whatever. But for this playoff run, they're young. They're fast. They have a little experience in the playoffs, some of them. Um, I, and they, they kind of tick all of the boxes. They got some guys who, who toe the line in Nazem Kadri. Uh, they have a, an actual decently skilled fourth line. They have some great role players like Nichushkin who could, who could put up, you know, in the regular season, he was putting up, what, 10, 15 goals and being a dynamic penalty killer. That's something a lot of teams would die to have. Uh, and then they got a line, a couple, a couple superstars up front and a superstar defenseman, guys who are putting over point a game. Uh, and, you know, that's without even mentioning a guy like Gabriel Landeskog who's all around great leader. Right. In like, way. I mean, like Jonas Donskoy was... nothing about the abs is wrong. No. And like a guy like Jonas Donskoy, like, and he's got three goals, three assists and six points so far. This, these playoffs. So I think he's, uh, they've made some really good signings like that. Jonas Donskoy, uh, signing, I think was a really underrated signing for them. Like when you saw it, um, it wasn't like, uh, like, uh, Oh wow. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, it's like, huh. They signed Jonas Donsberg. Cool. And like, it's turned out it was, it, it's paid dividends for them because, uh, Donskoy had 16 goals this season and 17 assists. And he's not, he was bouncing around on that second to third line. He'd fill in, uh, second line when there's injuries, but like, you know, he's, I think he's, he's a solid player. And I just like overall the structure of this team. Um, Dallas is a little bit more experienced, but um, again, if I don't think Dallas is as fast as Colorado. So Colorado definitely needs to, to use the speed and emphasize the speed this series for them to kind of really take over kind of similar to what they did, um, against the coyotes, just 
use their speed and just dictate the pace of the game. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what it's going to take, to be completely honest, is they're going to need to really dictate the game with their speed because it's just... It's, it's the most important thing that they can do, uh, especially against Dallas, which is an older team. But, you know, we mentioned this with Vancouver, Vegas. One team has more experience in the playoffs, and that's Dallas. Uh, they, got a Stan- they got a couple Stanley Cup winners in, in Perry and, and Sagan. And when I say winners, I mean, like, ro- like more than just role players. Uh, they've got a guy like Pavelski, who was there in the finals just a couple of years ago, didn't win, but he he's been there. He's been to several conference finals as well. Um, and you know, they do have some young pieces like a high skin in, in back. Uh, John Klingberg is in his prime and a, a pretty damn good offensive defenseman really two way. He, he doesn't get enough credit for his defensive game, but he is obviously a much better offensive defenseman. Um, you know, they've, They've got a lot of really good pieces in Dallas. I think Dallas right. is another team to watch in the future. But if I'm looking at these two rosters right now, I go with Colorado. And again, I could be hyping up the youth and speed. Um, and maybe it goes seven. I wouldn't be shocked. I said six. I wouldn't be shocked if it won seven. Hell, I wouldn't be shocked if Dallas won. But if I had to put money on this series... I look at that young, speedy, MVP quality players, Norris potential defenseman, physical. So there are a lot of physical players on that team who are more than just big bodies. They move the puck. They they shoot well. They're they're pretty dynamic two way players. I can't see rooting, not even just rooting, thinking the Abs can't win. Everyone should be rooting for the Abs because boy. It, they're going to make hockey very exciting, even if they're you're, they're not your number one team. Right. And, uh, you know, I just, I agree. I think we're, we, we agreed on the series is avalanche and six. So, you know, if this is home ice advantage, like true home ice advantage, like I would be concerned with the avalanche losing game one, but mm-hmm. they're in a bubble. There's no fans there. Who gives a shit about it? my advantage um so um i i think avalanche are good enough to win four out of the next five for sure uh let's go to the series that hasn't started yet and that is the uh philadelphia flyers versus the new york islanders uh i picked islanders in six i believe so yeah i did i picked islanders in six and my reasoning for that is just the way they played the Washington Capitals. Capitals, um, they had a few injuries. The Capitals did, so I, I'm a little worried that that might play into this series. But just the way the Islanders play, they play that boring shutdown, uh, shutdown game, and I can see them, you know, stifling Philadelphia's top lines and. Um, you know, this is theoretically like when this is like what the Flyers paid Kevin Hayes for is for him to perform during the playoffs and, um, you know, to use his big body and, and do what he needs to do. But, but, you know, I just think that, I just think that they're just going to bore him to death, to be honest. So see, uh, I think. I, first off, I think the Islanders are a very underrated team, especially by me. Uh, I mean, God, I, I picked Philly in five. I picked Washington in five. Um, and it's true. I mean, Islanders style is very much like the late 90s, early 2000s Devils. They're going to bore you to death. That being said, something underrated about Philly's game is its shutdown defensive style and quite quite honestly, probably the vastly superior goalie who's young, who's very young, uh, very mobile. Um, yeah, Philly's defensive game is underrated. I mean, you know, they don't got 
they don't have the big names on D. You know, maybe you would say Provorov, maybe not Gossip Bear anymore. Um, but they got guys like Couturier or Couture. Couturier. Ugh. Um, yeah, it, it's been one of those days. Couturier, who are dynamic two-way forwards, who could put the puck in the net. I don't see somebody... Islanders are defense by committee, but in turn, they don't have that, that offensive threat. You know, you could say Barzell, or yeah, you could say Barzell. Um I'm sure somebody would argue Bavillier, Bavillier as well, but I won't because I he's good, but he's he's not he's a secondary scorer. Um, and then you look at Philly; they have the offensive weapons to complement their their stifling defense and their rock solid goalie. Like if I'm looking at a goalie matchup between uh, Varlamov and Hart. I mean, it's a no-brainer. Between the the way both have played the last season and the playoffs, I mean, Washington was hurt. They didn't even have their goalie they were comfortable going into the playoffs with. Their their star center got hurt. Everything was going wrong for Washington. And Islanders benefited from it. Philly came into this as, you know, the last team to be to make it as the number four seed. It was meant to be Pittsburgh's that Pittsburgh had a weak March. Philly had a strong March came in, uh, took that spot from them. I think in the last couple of days of the, the regular season. Um, and then they, they went into the round Robin. They beat Tampa. They beat Boston. Of course they beat Washington. Um, but when you come in here and you're beating teams like Tampa Boston didn't come out strong, but I mean, you look at Boston's lineup, it's a very strong team and they're coming in here and they're beating them like that. This is a team with something to prove and they're, and they're proving it now. Uh, And let's not forget. They've also got, they've got the experience. They've got guys like uh, uh, Drew and Vorchuk who, who have been in playoff series many playoff series battles. Um, I'm pretty sure Giroux has, was around. God, was he around in 2010? I think so. I think he was not quite, you know, they had Richards and, and uh, Carter as their, their stars, but I think he was on that team. So you could check that, but I'm pretty sure he's been to a cup final. So they've got experience on that, that Philly team. So I don't know. I picked Philly in five. I'm sleeping on the Islanders, obviously. Uh, but, you know, everyone's talking about the Flyers' defense. I uh, And when I say defense, I mean team defense. Don't sleep on Philly. They're good on both ends of the ice. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, Philly's good. I just think that the, the overall team defense – that is available to the the New York Islanders that the, it's going to be uh, a slow series, which is like why it's not going to be the most exciting playoff series, um, which is probably why they, uh, they put the series as a, they the only series I believe that has a back to back in it. Hmm. And um, uh, they're the 2 PM game on Wednesday this week. So um so I don't think the NHL themselves think it's going to be an, all that exciting, all that of an exciting series. Um, but you know, I, I just think that uh, the Islanders, their scoring by committee and team, team defense will will play and in, play into that. That's the only series that uh, we disagree on. on. Don't sleep on Philly's team D, though. That's what I'm saying. True, but uh, let's go to the last series that we got quite a preview, and that's Tampa Bay versus the Boston Bruins. Um, I picked Tampa in seven, uh, and the re- rationale for that is just that, the, and you saw it in game one, Boston is definitely good enough 
to without Rask to to win the Stanley Cup. Halak is a more than formidable goaltender. Um, the reason why I picked Tampa is that I think Tampa has better more scoring depth than than Boston, and that needs to come out over these next few games because I. I don't, I don't know if I necessarily saw a lot of that so, thus far um, from them. I, I mean, I, I just I don't think Steven Stamkos has been playing, has he? Um, if he has, he's been really irrelevant. So he hasn't. So, I mean, if they were to get Stamkos back um, on the ice, that would be a, a big benefit to them. I don't know what the in, what uh, if the injury to Victor Hedman is still still bothering him. It's he's he got he had let Tampa's two goals. Uh, Tampa finally Tampa played well probably the last ten minutes of of that game where they scored both their goals. Um, well, hold on, hold on. I I will disagree with that right now. I think Tampa controlled the play more than Boston did. Boston uh, made better on their opportunities. I think when I was watching that game, now I I caught the second and third only, but Tampa had the better looks. Tampa had the better opportunities. Shots were pretty even, but I thought that play was controlled by Tampa. They they were a little shaky after the third goal. They... uh. They look like that kind of took the wind out of their sails for about four or five minutes. Then they came back and, I mean, all the legitimate pressure and the scoring chances were on Tampa's side. So I disagree with that. I don't think Tampa only played 10 minutes. I think Tampa played 40 minutes that I saw. I don't know what the first period held. Um, And they just didn't make good on their opportunities. I don't think the better team won. No, I... I just think, well, I just think that uh, Tampa Bay will probably rebound. They're not playing tonight as we record this podcast, um, so but I think Tampa will rebound, um, and I still think that you know Tampa. I think Boston. The reason why I said in seven was Boston is definitely good enough to uh, to get a a. Uh, Boston's definitely good enough to win three, three games. That's for sure. And um, so I, I, that series will probably be one of the closer ones. Um, just like I think the the Vancouver and the Golden Knights. I think we both agreed. We just disagreed on who's going to win the series. Um, that uh, that will, you know, I. Yeah, I just think I, I don't know. I just think that we. We we agreed on most things. Um, we mm-hmm. just disagreed on two series, um, and who's gonna be the ones that come out on top? Yeah, I mean, uh, I I also think Tampa's gonna win the series. Now, to be fair, Tampa has been my second favorite team since two thousand four, so I do have a bias. But when you look at that roster up and down, I think it's the deepest. Um, you know, if they, if they happen to play Colorado in the championship, I don't know how they'll fare, but we're not there yet. They're playing Boston and I mean, two, two of the, the two best teams in the East, I would argue, uh, one has to lose. I think it's Boston. I just don't think depth wise it's as deep, uh, especially on the back end. Man, Tampa's back end has 10 NHL defensemen. That's unreal. And I'm not talking about prospects who might be able to play. I'm talking about guys who have 200-plus games in the NHL. Yeah, Tampa Bay has a very, very deep defensive core. Um, That's what wins championships. Yeah, that is definitely what wins championships. I mean, the... I'm trying to pull up their their decor right now. I mean, Victor Hedman, Ryan McDonough, Shattenkirk, Coburn, Ruda, Bogosian, Shergachev, Luke Shen, and Eric Cernak. Uh, who now look, 
Luke Shen has seen his better days and Jan Ruda is Jan Ruda. But every one of those guys has 200 plus games in the NHL. That's a deep blue rock, blue line. Yeah. And you got uh, Andre Vasilevsky signed. I mean, Tampa has some questions going into next season with their overall defensive core, but they ha- they do have young guys coming up and Cal foot and, uh, but you know, they have, they do have to resign UFAs or RFAs this year. If Shergachev is an RFA, Cernak is an RFA, uh, Luke Shen's a UFA, Bogosian, Ruda, and uh, I think I already said Shattenkirk are all unrestricted free agents. So, I mean, they have the, the only, only problem will be re-signing, um, they'll be re-signing, uh, uh, Mikhail Sergachev, but I mean, they only have $5.3 million in cap space signed for next season with 15 roster spots available. So their forwards are set. They really don't have to worry about that. Um, I had to remind have, myself of what I wanted to make sure the right foot you mentioned. I'm like, one of them got traded. They drafted both and traded one. Yep. <laughs> Which is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, essentially, yeah, he was part of the Coleman trade. And it, it was a first, last year's first pick, essentially. So two firsts. And I think a third. Doesn't matter. It's two firsts. Unbelievable. Yeah, they, yeah, Blake At- Coleman. They got Blake Col- They acquired Blake Coleman, and they gave up Nolan Foot, a 2020 uh, first. conditional first round pick. Um, if the Vancouver pick is a lottery pick, the 2020 first round pick will transfer to a 2021 first round pick instead. Well, it's not. <laughs> so yes, so the uh, Vancouver, so they lose their first overall pick this year, uh, or first number round. one. First round pick, yeah. Um, so, well, they lose one of them because they had two, didn't they? They had no, Vancouver's and theirs. Now they have one. They, they have one. Yeah. So they they went into that trade with two. No, they have zero. I'm sorry, they have zero. Uh, Who they trade their other first for? Was that of a, a different last year trade? Am I just like not remembering? The the Nolan Foot trade was the Vancouver pick. Yeah. They traded to get Barclay Goudreau. Uh, oh, what are you doing, Tampa? They what are you doing? In a third round pick for uh, Anthony Greco, and they gave up the first round pick for Barclay Goudreau. Why? Uh, I don't get that so. one at all. <laughs> Barclay Goudreau this season has 26 points in 70 games played and was a minus eight. So that's all. And you're telling to me we can only get a. We can only get a. Third for Eric Gustafson, one season removed from sixty points. Yeah, we could only get. Uh, I mean, he sucks. Mal- I get it. <laughs> well, we can only get a. We can only get Malcolm Subban, and that's really it for. No, 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 no. That prospect is good. Uh, I mean, he's not like game breaking, but it, it's it's less. It's more than what we got for Gustafson by far. Oh, uh, Stanislav Demon. Yes. He had in the University of Denver this year. Played uh, on the same team. Played the same team as Mitchell. Isn't he, wasn't he even Mitchell's D partner too? Is that why we traded for him too? I heard he was at some point. I don't know if he was this year. Might've been last year. I don't know. I don't follow college hockey that closely. No. Um, but He's in. The, he's on the same decor. They had to have played together at some point. I mean, as a defenseman, I've played with all of my teammates at some point in my career. Right. Like the Hawks have, they don't have the first overall or second round pick, but they Big do have. Player, uh, actually, uh, they do have Pittsburgh's um, <laughs> second rounder, which will be higher than what the Hawks would have gotten. So, so we moved call. up, kinda. Yeah, we did, actually, ironically. Um, so the Hawks will be picking. I'm going to just move on to the Blackhawks and some quick Blackhawk recast before we wrap up the podcast. Um, the Hawks, 
Um, apparently, are going to hang on to Stan Bowman. Um, I really hope that they shit can Jeremy Colleton. I don't think that's going to happen either, though. Um, you know, Stan Bowman's quote of there's going to be similar faces, new faces, but similar faces to the Blackhawks, which gives the impression that the new faces that will be coming in will be faces that the Blackhawks have already known about. Like they're signed. They're no free agents. Pretty much. You're going to see prospects moving into roles where players with players, we don't resign. That's That's what I think is what will be happening this year. So like, I think you'll probably see the same group come back. Um, you know, you'll probably see them move a defenseman or two, maybe Olimata, and uh, to because they need to. There's a log jam at defense defense right now, and we have five guys signed. No, I'm sorry, six guys signed through 2022, and that doesn't include the defenseman we just signed of. Uh, the Wyatt Kelniuk and Ian Mitchell. It doesn't include Alec Regula. Um, you know, there's some guys that are pretty decent and can play a big role, but with how many guys we have and how much you're paying them, notably Connor Murphy, Olimade, and Calvin DeHaan, like you're not going to have these guys sitting out. So, um, and Brent Seabrook got included. No. Oh, yeah, that clown. So, so we have seven defensemen signed, which would assume that we're going to have to move some guys here. Um, whether that's a buyout in Olimata, which if a team isn't willing to take on the entire contract of Olimata, which I don't see many teams willing to do, I think you're better off just buying him out because you're, you're saving $3.5 million in cap space that way. Mm-hmm. And then um, I can also see the Blackhawks buying out Zach Smith because uh, that's two years of a, of a $1 million. Uh, I think that's two years of a $1 million contract cap hit. Let me... Uh, 1.25, I believe, but I could be wrong. It, his cap hit for the next two years, if you buy him out, is 1.8. Uh, 1.08, I'm sorry. So just over $1 million. So if you bought out both those players, you save yourself close to $6 million dollars uh, or just under $6 million while eating a cap hit for the next two seasons of, of about $1.6 million uh, in dead cap space. Um, Olimata's buyout, if you were to buy out his contract, that's four years of a cap hit of 680000 So you're pretty much guaranteeing that the, both those guys are going to get bought out. And you'll see you'll see that the Hawks make some some changes and hopefully you know these young guys can step up and and, and play well um, you know they're definitely if everything goes according to plan and the young defensemen can play well next year like you're you're looking at a bubble playoff team still not guaranteed to make the playoffs um, but Hopefully it'll be a little bit better. I don't know. I just the, I, the you saw it in stretches last year when they went away from Jeremy Colleton's dumbass defensive system, is that they played really well, um, like when they ditched the man, uh, the man system and went with uh, just a rotate, and just went with a a zone defensive system and they played well. They started to slowly incorporate the man system back into it, and they started to suck again. So I don't understand why we keep trying to do that system uh, when it doesn't seem to work, but for the team that we currently have constructed. So, um, but that's a system that Jeremy Colleton wants to play. I would really, I at this point, any coach that... Uh, Pierre LeBron mentioned in his tweet, uh, Gerard Gallant, Peter Laviolette, hell, even the guy that the Tom Reardon, the guy that uh, the Capitals just fired, I'd take over a Jeremy Carlton. 
I don't know about you, but that's just me. I'd literally take anybody out. Any one of those three guys over Collins. I don't know if I take Tom Reardon. Why the grass isn't always greener in that instance. Uh, I would do the other two. Um, it, yeah, I I agree. It would. There would have to be. I don't know. I would take pretty much any coach. Like I said, Tom Reardon has already kind of proven. Like, okay. I don't know. I'm not feeling him. Uh, and the Capitals clearly weren't either. Uh, but, I mean, Colladin hasn't done anything. Um, he got outcoached, I honestly believe, in both series. Uh, I just think Edmonton's poor D was, <laughs> was to our benefit, I suppose. But, I don't know. I just don't think... I don't think we're going to see the end of Carlton for a while. Carl, Jeremy Carlton for a while. I think you're just sort of stuck with him. Uh, I think it's got to start with firing Stan Bowman. When you fire Bowman, the coaching staff is gone. Start anew. Um, but if they're keeping – I mean, how many times do you need to barely make the playoffs, lose in the first round, miss the playoffs, underperform – with your extremely talented but very much aging core, how many times are you going to fail before it's like, okay, let's get a new coach that's right. not from within the system? Like, okay, you know, a lot of people wanted Q gone. I was one of them. He grew stale. Not Nothing against Q as a coach. Just every coach has a shelf life. His shelf life came to an end. All right, Q, Q's fired. They hire the guy in the system who worked with Q. What what are we gaining from this? Clearly nothing. The results show. I mean, there are less talented rosters that perform better. I'm not saying this is a playoff team, but I've seen less talented rosters perform better than the Hawks. So what are we doing here? The New York Islanders, like, they don't have the scoring offensive talent that the Blackhawks do. Yeah, but they got better defense than the Hawks. <laughs> it's better, but, like, the Hawks had better goaltending than they did this year. Like, it's, like... I mean, Varlamov's a pretty good goalie. I mean, I, I did just shit on him. He's not saying he's not as good as a 20-year-old kid. But the 20-year-old kid is also, like, a superstar in the making. Uh I I do think Crawford's better than Varlamov, but let's not say Varlamov is a bad goalie. Like with the off with the goalies that are coming out this year, um, and Gudelman's actually played well at these playoffs. He's one of the 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 free agent goaltenders this year. Yeah, well, uh, they might they might keep him in. We'll see. We'll see how they feel about Rask's contract if if they win or go far with Gudelman. You mean Q Dobin's on the Dallas Stars? Oh, he, <laughs> he was on uh, Boston last year, wasn't he? Was. It? Yeah, he was. Um, so who's Boston uh, up again? Why am I blanking on this? Block. Oh, block. God. Okay, that's... What are they going to do with Halak then? With... They'll probably keep him when... But yeah, like, but 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 you, I, I, it's it's the same question, just change the name. Yeah, my question for the Blackhawks and in, in goaltending is, do you resign, um, Crawford? Um, uh, it depends on what he's asking for. Because like, around the price range that the Hawks could probably afford, which would be two million to probably like three or four million dollars uh to put that into perspective uh that would mean like thomas grice cam talbot kudobin uh mike condon brian elliott and mike smith of edmonton would be around their price range i mean jimmy howard would probably also be in their price range and craig anderson as well um i don't want any of them i'd rather crawford um but you also have Robin Leonard, uh, who will probably be due to make around, you know, probably close to seven between somewhere between seven and eight million dollars. 
and then Braden Holpe, who um, is a free agent this year, he will the way he played this year, his numbers sucked with a three eleven goals against average and a save percentage like uh, below ninety. So I mean, for him, I would give Corey Crawford about four four million, but I will I would sign him for a couple years, four million, no trade clause. If he wants a no trade clause or no movement clause or anything like that, he's not making over three million dollars. Um, because I don't don't give him a no trade or no 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 none of that bullshit. I think you you're if he wants a no movement clause or a no trade clause, that brings his price down. But at least it gives him a guarantee of of, of staying here. Or he can put a ten team no trade clause where there's ten teams that he does not want to go to. Um, but that's something that I think the Hawks would agree to. But if he wants that, he ain't going to make more than $3 million because why am I going to pay for this kid? Uh, you know, you got, you got to take some to, to get some. So, um, I don't know. It's a very interesting, the Hawks will have a very interesting off season as well, as well as like, well, 90% of the league will also have a very interesting off season. I think you're going to see those, the, that, that draft on um, the ninth and the 10th and the free agent st- agency starting the next day after the draft will be those like three or four days will be insane. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked if you see like the night after the Stanley cup final is awarded guys get traded. Like, like team I mean, couldn't, couldn't they be day. doing it now? They can, but I guarantee the NHL is not going to want to distract from the bubble. I it's like all the other leagues. It's like all the other leagues. Like they might be agreeing to the trades and whatnot, but just no announcements until after the Stanley Cup's awarded. Because I do remember there has been some minor trades between teams, like during the Stanley Cup Finals. And I know that there's hockey insiders have tweeted out in the past being like, NHL is definitely not a fan of that because they feel like it distracts from the way from the Stanley Cup final. And it does. I mean, this year, I feel like you're going to see a superstar get dealt from one of these teams. And you're definitely not going to want to have that happen during your, your, your Stanley Cup finals. But um, I don't know. I think that's that wraps it up for me. I don't know if you got anything else you wanted to cover. No, that, that I mean, we previewed the first round. Uh, talked about the Hawks a little. I don't think there's too much else. We have the Alan Walsh tweet. Yeah, I think we're good. There's not much. I, I suppose we could the, the Capitals find their coach. We mentioned it. It, there's not much there until they hire whoever they're going to hire. There's not so. much there because you expect something like that when your team loses in the first round and underperforms, unlike the Blackhawks do. Right. That's true. That is very true. So, all right, we'll leave it there. Um, we appreciate you listening. Uh, make sure you follow us on, a, on, your, on your social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook. We don't have an Instagram. Um, it's on so. you make one <laughs> okay so just give us a follow uh all of our profile information's in the description of the podcast um so Andy, do you have any final words uh no i i'm trying to think of something witty but i got nothing yeah i mean enjoy I the think- <laughs> uh, yeah enjoy the enjoy the last round of uh this next probably 10 days of of two games a day theoretically and then uh the next round you'll be down to to one game a day i i and, like that much better so i like so, yeah. i like one to two games a day all those games you miss so much i i, I can't sit there and watch games all day right so, so i can now see there. everything it's so much easier to follow hockey again. Right. 
I'm, I'm looking forward to the Dallas Colorado or yeah, Dallas Colorado game tonight because I I want to see how Colorado is going to respond after the last game and their coach calling them out. But we'll leave it there. I appreciate you listening, and uh, we will talk to you next week. <laughs>